Football show. My name is Miles. Back to it here to digest the off season so far. Ahead of the draft, which will be one week from now, we're going to do two episodes today in two parts. So non quarterbacks here in part one, and then we need our whole separate episode for the quarterback movement. Quarterback two also in the feed today. Um, what an intoxicating off-season stretch. I mean, our phone alerts just hitting us with those endorphin hits of huge NFL news, trade after trade, signing after signing. We will be back next week to talk round one of the NFL draft. Most people are posting their NFL draft previews uh, right now. I won't uh, pretend to be that much of an expert that I can actually give provide anything new (laughs) to the pre-draft conversation i think the draft itself and the landing spots really um really is where i would uh uh, shine a little bit or a little bit better so i'll i'll be back um thursday after round one and then we'll also have a show after that so welcome back muckle to football show episode 58 this show is football everything nfl history legacy the ups and downs of a season. Follow us at MUK underscore football on Twitter at MUK underscore football. Subscribe, share, review on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. We have shows during the season, Monday after Monday night football, Thursday after Thursday night football. During the off season, it's the Wild West. We don't know. We don't know. It's, it's like the off season itself. It is right to say that this was the craziest free agency period ever you know adding in the trades you know i don't know that that's right to say that this is going to keep happening for the 2020s i've seen people saying like oh this this is just a sign of things to come i I don't think that's true i think this little two to three period two to three year period is unique you know the salary cap went down for pretty much the first time ever last year Technically, you know, people say, oh, it's the second time. That's because technically they played 2010 without a cap uh, because uh, the uh, the labor agreement wasn't signed yet, not until 2011. So this is the first time that the cap went down due to loss of revenue, you know, due to the, to the COVID-19 pandemic. And that, so you have that on one side, it's never gone down <laughs> in like the whole 21st century. You have that on one side that we're past. And then on the other side, the cap and the money is about to go up faster than it ever has in 2023, potentially doubling with the $100 billion 10-year TV deal that starts next year. The TV stations basically will be owned by the NFL and not the other way around. When you pay $100 billion, you don't own the NFL. The NFL owns you. Um, so the rare decline plus this spike that is about to come up puts us in this unique position, which is right now. And some teams are pinched and they've got to sell right now because the cap has been going down while other teams can be way more aggressive than they ever have before because they know the future is full of money and rising cap. So 
I think that's what's happening. There's also probably a bit of this draft class being underwhelming um, sprinkled in there. Uh, But today I want to talk the big non-quarterback action that has happened. So let me take you back. Let me take you back about a month ago to when free agency opened. And it wasn't one of these big names. It wasn't this huge deal alert that came through the morning of free agency that blew all our minds. No, the biggest story on the opening day of free agency was Christian Kirk signing with the Jaguars for a massive and shocking contract, essentially making him, for a, for a brief time, the second highest paid wide receiver. <laughs> the Jaguars' strategy appeared to be uh, to muck up the wide receiver market so much that other teams can't even sign their receivers or keep their receivers in the locker room happy. That's how like weird this contract was for Christian Kirk and how overpaid he was. Um, and you know, NFL players, especially wide receivers, they really, really care about their contracts, about the number that the other players know they're making. They really care about it. It is this indisputable metric of respect and social standing. And with Christian Kirk becoming the second highest paid wide receiver by, you know, base salary and, and there, I mean, there's so much weird stuff with contracts. You don't ever want to compare it apples to apples ever, but Christian Kirk is definitely was put up there in the upper echelon with this contract. And how many wide receivers can honestly say that they are better than Christian Kirk. They're more productive I mean, by my calculation, it's like there's like 30 receivers who without question can say, I'm better than Christian Kirk. Guys like Allen Robinson, Jerry Judy, you know, they might be outside the top 25, but they're pretty clearly above Christian Kirk to this point and and kind of to the future point as well by expectation. And then there's like this, this like mass of wide receivers who are all in the Christian Kirk range. Uh, in terms of a player, Michael Gallup, Corey Davis, Rashad Bateman, Tyler Boyd, Chase Claypool, all these guys have arguments to be way over Christian Kirk. Why are they? Why is Christian Kirk getting this money and not me? So this is why I think the Jaguars strategy is essentially just put this seed of doubt in the wide receivers minds and all the other teams <laughs> receivers will eat themselves from within. <laughs> Um, after, after Julio Jones was cut by the Titans, still a free agent as of this recording. Um, and then Adams and Hill did their trade in signs, which we'll talk about. Um, but before, or after Julio was cut before Adams and Hill did their trade in signs, like I said, Kirk was the second highest paid receiver behind only Deandre Hopkins before Diggs got re-signed. This moment was chaos and really kind of led to, to some of the stuff that has happened. Hill and Adams, they wanted to be paid more. They got traded in order to be paid more. Stefan Diggs got his big extension. Look at all the stuff going on with DK Metcalf right now. And is he going to be the trade rumors and, and Debo Samuel, the strife that is happening with that. Um, I reasonably think the Jaguars can take credit for that, for giving 18 to 20 million to Christian Kirk. Um, now they say up to 82 million four years. But I mean, again, I don't know how much other receivers look into the details of these contracts, but the Jaguars can pretty much get out of this contract scot free after next season. So is it a lot to pay Christian Kirk? Yes, it is. 
but it's also kind of some phantom numbers here. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. Christian Kirk is definitely being paid, and he has to take a huge step up. But the Jaguars can essentially get out. Their commitment is like not really beyond 24 months from now. We could be talking about Christian Kirk signing with another team, and the Jaguars not on the hook at all. Um, well, let's go over to Devontae Adams. We started the offseason with the Green Bay Packers have franchise-tagged Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, their star wide receiver, doesn't want to play on the franchise tag. That is how we started it. We ended up with Adams has been traded to Las Vegas Raiders. He Green Bay offered him just as much or more money, and he said, no, I don't like the Packers so much that I choose the Raiders over the Packers. Definitely for me, I didn't realize there was so much friction between Adams and the Green Bay front office. Maybe Christian Kirk <laughs> helped facilitate that. Uh, in that contract there. Um, I just didn't know that Adams didn't want to play in Green Bay at all. At all. So uh, the details of the trade, Raiders get Adams. Adams gets, and then they sign Adams to a new contract, the contract Adams wanted. Packers get the 2022 first and second. So the 22nd and 53rd pick of the draft coming up here in one week. Now the Packers have four picks. In the first two rounds, first round, second round, two in the first round, two in the second round. A lot of good receivers in this 2022 class. They seemingly are set up to draft a wide receiver or two with one of those four picks. And if they didn't, if they didn't pick any, I I just can't even imagine the circus around the Packers. I mean, (laughs) you have the back-to-back MVP quickly aging. And you get no receivers for him. The same thing that pissed him off in the beginning when you took Jordan Love. <laughs> I just, I could not, I could not even imagine the third year in a row of the Packers being a true circus on draft day. The Jordan Love pick in 2020 was the story of the day. And Rogers trade rumors in 2021 was the story of the day. So they've kind of owned the last two draft days. So why not? Why not? Do something crazy. (laughs) And I, you know, hey, the Packers defense is improving. The running game is improving, but you can't have no receivers. I'm sorry, old school football guy, but you have to have a good passing game. Even Rodgers needs something. And they they clearly wanted Adams. And and they had Adams doing so much on the field. Devonta Adams is such a big part of what the Packers do. He plays every part, every role, wherever they need him to go. They put him there, and they put him there because that's the best place to get him the ball. He really is something great, and and they were great for him. I mean, now the Packers, they they may have the worst wide receiving core on paper before the draft. They lost Marquise Valdez-Scantling to Kansas City. It's just Alan Lazard. It's an aging Randall Cobb. They need help, and there's still some free agent value. Odell Beckham off the ACL, Jarvis Landry, Jamison Crowder, some good slot guys, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, some riskier aging Guys, you know, I've got to think that has to all wait for the draft. Um, There can't be much of a market. But the Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers era ends. And in the last two years, 2020 and 2021, both MVP seasons for Rodgers with Adams as his, you know, go-to guy isn't even enough of a word (laughs) to say how much of a piece of those MVPs Devontae Adams should get. He's been amazing. He's been amazing, but it is, it, 
we it's now inevitable. I always talk about this NFL. Now it looks like it's in stone. It was always this way. But take your mind back to 24 months ago when Jordan Love was drafted. Rodgers had kind of steadily declined from 2017, 18, 19. It looked like Adams was definitely hitting his prime, but it looked more like just kind of a mismatch of of primes, basically. Terrell Owens with Steve Young. You know, Adams is just there for just the last little part of a Hall of Fame quarterback's career. Instead, Rodgers turns in this other prime with his back-to-back MVPs. We think much differently of Aaron Rodgers' career because of these two MVPs. We think much differently of Devonta Adams as Aaron Rodgers' main receiver historically. You know, I, I think about this stuff all the time. You know, what do you chat with your buddies at the water cooler about? If you bring up Aaron Rodgers and you just, you're giving an example of, of what guy he's throwing a touchdown to, two years ago, I think that guy would have been Jordy Nelson. The, the, you know, as the decades passed and you're reflecting upon the career of Aaron Rodgers, you would have said, oh man, a dime to Jordy. You know, that was a clear inside track. He'd taken that from Greg Jennings. But with the last two years, Adams has become that guy. I think in two decades when we talk about it, we'll say Adams, not Nelson. He did overtake him numerically as well. He now has 68 touchdowns from Rodgers, whereas Nelson ended with 66 before both Adams and Nelson left for the greener pastures of the Raiders. <laughs> Adams, man, what a Packers career. I, I thought he was a bust uh, after he, uh, you know, in comparison with Mike Evans and Odell Beckham, I think he'll still be good in the Raiders on the Raiders, but his Packers era is over. And that's probably going to be the main era that he's remembered for. The Packers, man, they just put such, we always talk about the Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. You know, all the Packers fans have just enjoyed 30 years, now 31 years of just living fat off of the cheese of this you know, elite passing Hall of Fame quarterback offenses that they've been watching. I've had so many great ones. Sterling Sharp, Robert Brooks, Antonio Freeman, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams. I think Adams may have ascended in a way that none of those guys really did into the into the um very, very best receiver in the league argument that I don't think any of them ever did. Sterling Sharp, actually, probably, he did do that from 1990 to 1992. But from from 93 to, you know, Brooks, Freeman, Driver, Jennings, Nelson, there was always this good receiver in Green Bay, but not the best receiver. Adams reached those heights. He was the best receiver in the NFL, and he was in Green Bay. Um, the Raiders are pretty excited about this, though. <laughs> Things are things are finally exciting in Vegas. Devonta Adams unites with his uh, college quarterback Derek Carr at Fresno State. They played together, um, and he gets to be apparently he was a fan of the Raiders as a as a child. Um, I think the twenty eight million base salary also helped Adams choose this this path. Um, I can see why Carr and Adams are fond of each other's company. <laughs> I went back to to their Fresno State, just kind of looking up some of their games and their stats. Uh, their time in the Mountain West Conference was uh, very fun for them. 2012, 2013, 26 games together. And the average Devontae Adams stat line as a Fresno State wide receiver catching passes from Derek Carr, 
was eight and a half catches for 116 yards. There were 38 Carr to Adams touchdowns in 26 games. <laughs> um, they had fun. They had fun. A lot of success. I can see why they associate good times with each other. Um, and then they were both drafted in the second round of the 2014 NFL draft and, and have made great names for themselves. They've they've definitely been successes um, for that draft capital. Adams, for sure. Carr, for sure, as well. Both of them. So the Raiders add Adams to Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Some of the promising talent on the Vegas depth chart can be bumped down a little bit. Brian Edwards primarily, because now he's the fourth option instead of the third option. You know, they're trying to compete. The Raiders are in an arms race in the AFC West with Russell Wilson coming to Denver, Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert already there. The Raiders are feeling the pressure, and this was a move that they did to help alleviate some of that pressure. All right, let's talk um, Tyreek Hill. Let's talk Tyreek Hill. Similar situation. Hill checks his Twitter feed, sees the Christian Kirk news, <laughs> and says, uh, I should be making double what that guy makes. <laughs> Goes to Kansas City. Kansas City says, no, we're kind of locked into Mahomes uh, here, and we're not really wanting to pay you uh, that much. And... um. And they, they fulfill his wishes. They say, yes, we will trade you to a team that will pay you. They trade with the Miami Dolphins for a haul. This year's first, second, and fourth, along with a fourth and sixth next year. Um, so, uh, you know, Chiefs gaining a lot of draft capital as well. Um, fresh off this legendary playoff performance against Buffalo. I... I mean, I can't think of another example where a player who made such a defining play just gone, just gone. I mean, maybe the Chiefs, you know, had they not blown the AFC championship against the Bengals, maybe we got a different story here. But do you, what Hill did in that Buffalo, that 13 seconds um, before the 13 seconds when he scored the touchdown was unbelievable. No other player could have done that. I truly believe that. Um, but you know, the chiefs, another era ending here. We talked about the Rogers Adams era ending the Mahomes to Hill slash Kelsey, you know, that passing offense ends. And, you know, I think it's up there. It's up there with the, the all time offenses, little offensive cores, you know, the, the Rams Warner to Holt and Bruce Colts, Peyton to, to Harrison Wayne, Dolphins, Marino to Duper and Clayton, not just regular season numbers, but just the, the deep playoff success of this, this quarterback to, to the same two guys, basically Mahomes to Hill Kelsey over the course of four seasons with all the success they've had, uh, including the Super Bowl, but also, you know, two other Super Bowls, um, or I'm sorry, one Super Bowl win, one Super Bowl loss, two AFC championship losses. That's a lot. That's a lot of success, and they put up a lot of big numbers while they did it. They will be remembered as one of the better little chunks, little primes of passing offense. Um, can Mahomes do it without Tyreek Hill? I think that's a good question to kind of pose as we go through the the off season here. You know, the Mahomes honeymoon is over. <laughs> you can tell. You know, thank goodness he won that Super Bowl in 2019. Otherwise, I'd be very concerned that he's about to follow the Dan Marino career path you know who who lost in his second year lost in the super bowl never got back thank goodness mahomes just got that win 
because he's never felt more vulnerable. The AFC Championship versus the Bengals. Yes, it was it was a collapse. It was you know it can be called a, a choke, but it solidified a trend that had been bubbling up all year. When a team drops back seven, drops back eight, the Bengals are like, we're dropping back nine. Now Mahomes just he just can't do it. He just can't take what it gives, and he has to push it through those interceptions. Now Mahomes' contract starts to take up a larger chunk of the cap. You know, maybe the cap will go up enough that it doesn't matter, but, um, you know, the, the, the honeymoon is over, is my point. Um, and the Chiefs, they're bringing in guys, brought in Juju Smith-Schuster, brought in Marquise Valdez-Scantling to join Clyde Edwards-Alaire as the longest-named trio in NFL history. <laughs> they still have Kelsey. They signed Ronald Jones. And the Chiefs, they don't need Juju or MVS to become Tyreek Hill. No one can be Tyreek Hill. I mean, he blossomed into not just a speedster, but a great overall receiver. Um, they just need MVS and Juju to be consistent. They have no consistency. And they need Mahomes to, to, to provide them with the, with the opportunity to be consistent. What, what, what Mikko Hardman and Demarcus Robinson couldn't do. You know, we, we say Mahomes is so stupid, he keeps pushing and suppressing and stuffing. Maybe he just knows that Hardman and Robinson can't do this. You know, <laughs> maybe he just knows that those guys were, if I keep throwing to them and I do what you want me to do, we're going to lose anyway, because they suck. Eventually something's going to happen. Hardman or Robinson is going to blow a play. Juju MVS. Maybe they can do, uh, bring an upgrade to that aspect. Um, over to the dolphins. You've been aggressive as hell this off season, not just the Tyreek trade. They signed Taron Armstead, the left tackle from the saints who was commonly ranked as the number one free agent this year i i I like greg rosenthal's uh rankings um personally for the for the free agent 100 um they tagged the re-signed emmanuel ogba edge rusher who was also gonna get the bag and did mike gasecki tight end they 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 uh they signed him re-signed him they brought in chase Edmonds. they brought in raheem mostert they brought in cedric wilson they brought in teddy bridgewater to to maybe compete with Tua or maybe be a Tua clone i don't know and then they hired Mike McDaniel as their coach, a longtime Kyle Shanahan nerd engine <laughs> who brings a very different feel, you know, to, to the whole team, the whole team. And the cynic in me thinks, you know, Miami, the owner's in trouble. Steven Ross, he's trying to deflect from the accusations that Brian, Brian Flores leveled against him, which was, was that he offered money to lose games, um, something which I'll, I'll definitely be talking about more. Um, on the football field, though, Tyreek join, joins Jalen Waddle, so they have a ton of speed. Maybe one of the fastest duos ever. Um, and they they go to Mike McDaniel, who ran that 49ers offense for a long time, and you know the king of angles and speed helps with angles. The real question will be at quarterback. Can Tua do this? I mean, I know Bridgewater can't. So can Tua do it? Can he take the next step up? Something also that will... We'll be we'll be following this offseason, especially when we talk about the Dolphins. I, and I'm glad that Hill got paid. Good for him. But I feel like he's probably concluded his time as a big time playoff performer if he's attached to Tua. You know, you took the money over the playoffs. Fine, whatever. Um, both of these trades, Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill, they're both seen as, largely as as either either medium moves 
or losses for the Packers and the Chiefs to lose a superstar like that, even with all the stuff they got back. And I don't know how. I don't know exactly why yet, but it is hard for me to say, even though I intuitively don't want to, to, for a team to lose Devonte Adams, I don't want a team to give up Tyreek Hill. I still have a hard time saying the Raiders and the Dolphins were the smart teams <laughs> that just huzzah, they got their guys and that the Packers and the Chiefs were the dumb teams. I have a hard to, I feel like there's something I'm missing because the Raiders and Dolphins wanted to do this. It feels like it's inevitable that they made the wrong decision signing these huge receivers to these huge contracts. I mean, the value of the receiver position, the depth of the receiver position is maybe, maybe the Packers and Chiefs point. I mean, it does check out the last few draft classes have just been We've been pumping like mid to star wide receivers five, six at a time into the NFL every single season. I mean, 2019, Debo, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Hollywood Brown. That's 2019. 2020, Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, uh, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk. And then last year, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony, maybe, you know, but we're seemingly adding like five star potential wide receivers every single year into the NFL. Something to think about. I just have a hard time saying the Packers and Chiefs made a mistake on these trades. I think that they got the better deal, and I think Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams will be uh, watching the divisional rounds, at least uh, from their couches, wondering, uh, you know, subtly subtweeting at Tua and Derek Carr for not getting them the ball as much as their former Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes um, uh, uh, pass givers. Okay, I have three more things to talk about. Von Miller, Khalil Mack, and Bobby Wagner. I implore you to stay with me for some defense talk. (laughs) Von Miller signs with the Buffalo Bills. And now, he won a Super Bowl with the Rams, so I'm not saying it's wrong, but I am going to be a little critical of this signing. I mean, every agent of any edge rusher should just get their guy to the Rams, play next to Aaron Donald, because he just, every time the guy next to Aaron Donald gets such a boost in the next free agency. Von Miller was an aging legend. He was 33, or is 33. Uh, with the Broncos on opening day last year, we were asking ourselves, eh, Von Miller, you know, is he going to be able to get one more, one more like decent season? Now he's signing a six-year, $120 million deal. I don't know. I, I Von Miller has two legendary Super Bowl runs, 2015 in Denver, 2021 Los Angeles. He's already a Hall of Famer. But I just question, I question the contract. Then again, the contract itself is probably not really real. Six years, $120 million, it's not really that. It's all kind of fake. I mean, he's really making $2 million this year with $18 million up front. And then $1 million in 2023 with like $13.4 million bonus. Like, it's all weird. It's all fake. After that, then he's actually making a base salary of $17 million, $18 million, $19 million for his age 35, 36, 37 years. There's no way he's playing in Buffalo after the next two years. There's just no way they're going to pay that. So they'll still be paying for him on the cap, but he won't be there. (laughs) I just can't. 
let's just take a step back here. Buffalo coming out of nowhere to sign him was surprising. I did not have Buffalo anywhere on the Vaughn Miller sweepstakes. I thought maybe he'd go back to Denver, especially after signing uh, Denver traded for Russell Wilson. I thought maybe he'd go there. I thought maybe he'd sign back with the Rams, especially after winning the Super Bowl with them. <laughs> maybe the Chargers uh, or maybe the Lions would, would overpay. Um, I did not think Buffalo would emerge. But as you can tell from the contract, they didn't have a lot of salary cap to work with. They made this happen. It's so weird to me. Um, I guess the, the argument for this, you know, to play devil's avocado to myself, the argument for this is that Buffalo was one of the best teams last season. They were eliminated from the playoffs tragically, brutally, heartbreakingly with the 13 seconds game in a divisional all-time classic. Von Miller is a good edge rusher who doubles as a great locker room presence. At this point in his career, he's a good edge rusher, great locker room pre- presence. There's many documentations, and I think more will come out, that the Aaron Donald-Von Miller connection and their partnership, that's the story of the 2021 season. I loved every second of it. Von Miller made a tangible impact on the team on the field and on Donald off the field. I truly believe that as a leader. I think Von Miller can do that for Buffalo. I think that's what they're hoping for. I think that's what they saw. That it, Buffalo is a defense that used to carry Josh Allen. Now they're the ones letting him down. Because Von Miller, he carries himself well. Any chances you have to watch Von Miller interviews? He's he's a good leader. He's a he's a great man. He's thoughtful. He's charismatic. I can see why Buffalo wants this guy on their team to help the others. And they do have pass rushers there. Um, so it's not like Von Miller is being brought to be the sole pass rusher. You know, pass rushers are are kind of like corners. You're only good once you have a few good ones. Um, so I can see that, but. In the end, I just go back eight months and tell yourself that you're signing Von Miller to a six-year, $120 million deal. I think both things are true. There's probably somewhere in the middle that you're not really getting what you think you're getting. Um, I don't know. And again, here's my ageist thing. I just, I hate like gambling on age. I just hate like putting this money for the same thing to happen. I'm putting the money here because the same thing is going to happen, especially with the chaos of every NFL season. Anyway, Khalil Mack traded to the Chargers. Back to the AFC West, where he was with the Raiders for so long. That's interesting. Um, this is just the the Mahomes effect on the AFC West. If you zoom out and look at just kind of like a historical picture of what has happened, the Raiders are adding Devontae Adams. The Broncos are adding Russell Wilson. Chargers are adding Khalil Mack. They also added JC Jackson from the Patriots, generally considered to be another top free agent guy, number two on a lot of boards. Um, I'm excited to see Khalil Mack with the Chargers, with Joey Bosa. You know, Mack's career, just like Von Miller, has been wonderful to this point. First team all pro, twice with the Raiders, once with the Bears. He's a uh, defensive player of the year a while ago, 2016, I believe that was. But just 10 months ago, Khalil Mack was ranked the 10th best player or 6th best player in the NFL by PFF. He's a highlight machine. He's athletically elite. He's getting older. He's also a technician. I that is that is why I'm more comfortable with Khalil Mack and Von Miller than than the other signings that I that I have been. 
Mac is a technician whose game I think is going to age pretty well. And the Bears, they gave him up. I think the consensus for the Bears is this sucks, but we had to cut our losses and get something because we suck. You know, <laughs> I feel like that's that's the Bears. They got a second round pick this year, third round pick next year. Someone else is paying Khalil Mack now. I think that's about all the Bears fans could have asked for. For the Chargers, it's all upside. It's all upside. Putting Mack with Joey Bosa, reuniting him with Brandon Staley, head coach of the Chargers, who was the Bears linebackers coach in 2018 when Mack was one of his first team all-pro years. Pass rushers, great pass rushers make each other better. It's an exponential effect. And you got to rush Mahomes. And you got to rush Russell Wilson. And to a lesser extent, you have to rush Derek Carr. The fact that Khalil Mack doesn't have to be elite is probably the best thing about this, um, in my opinion. Um, and, and Khalil Mack's run defense, by the way. I haven't seen many people point that out, but Khalil Mack is a great run defender. Considering how the Chargers season ended <laughs> against the Raiders, in which they would have gone to the playoffs had they just stopped the run for two plays on Sunday Night Football in Week 18, instead of giving up these big runs to Josh Jacobs. So, you know, Matt could help with that. <laughs> All right, final thing, Bobby Wagner to the Rams. Uh, we knew it. It doesn't make sense on paper. The Rams have generally let their, their off-ball linebackers walk. They don't pay that position. They don't care. They only want the edge rushers, and they'll, they'll pay Donald. So to get Bobby Wagner is, is unique for the Rams. It's something different for the Rams. But I know every Seattle fan knew deep down Bobby Wagner was going to the Rams. Dad and I called it on the day Bobby Wagner was released on this very podcast, Muckle Teal Football Show. Check it out. Wilson and Wagner episode. We said, with absolute dread, and therefore the thing most likely to happen, is Wagner's going to the Rams. <laughs> and he's again, like Miller, like Mac, Wagner's another one of these Hall of Fame defenders <clears throat> moving teams with a big contract with expectations with hype historically probably only one of these guys is going to actually work out um you know for a for a late career renaissance um from the rams perspective they probably do see a couple things here first Yes, Wagner's not the perennial all-pro that he was the first few years ago. Neither is Khalil Mack, neither is Von Miller. But Wagner has dominated the 49ers for 10 years. Like, no matter what the 49ers do, they always get their asses handed them by the Seahawks and Bobby Wagner. Every time. No matter who's the quarterback, no matter who's the coach. Gotta think that's... Could that be part of Los Angeles' consideration here? What do you know that we don't? Because the Rams have struggled with the 49ers historically. I don't get a little bit of that in the locker room. Maybe Sean McVay's thinking and Wagner, of course, they know the greatness of Wagner's. They had to play him twice a year. So, um, I wish Bobby Wagner was still a Seahawk. One of my favorite Seahawks second to, to Cortez Kennedy. Um, one of the best Seahawks. I had him fourth behind Walter Jones, Steve Largent. Uh, who did I have at three? I can't remember now, but um, I love Wagner, and this sucks that he's on the Rams. 
what sucks even worse is the 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 stuff that they said that Wagner you know didn't get a conversation that he found out via Twitter that he was going to be released and he did know I mean everybody kind of knew Wagner was going to be released based on how the numbers were shaping out and he admitted that he also knew that that as as well but I hate that I just I hate that you just can't be professional and call the player before you do it I know it sucks. It sucks, but just you're getting paid to do it. You're getting you're getting paid to just show some respect. Show some respect because if you don't do it and you don't tell people when you're trying to trade them. I saw I posted this on the internet and someone said, "Well, then, you know, you tell somebody you trade them and then you don't trade them. You don't trade them and then all you did was piss off Wagner for no reason." It's like alternatively to that, if you don't tell them then your silence means you could be potentially trying to trade everybody always throughout that locker room. You're not honest with your players. So your players have always have reason to be suspicious. Even the best, even Bobby Wagner, 10 years of excellence can't count on a, on a, some, some transparency and honesty. I hate it. Not a fan, but I am a fan of the NFL. And I'm looking forward to watching the season with you. We'll be back for the quarterbacks episode. um, And then we will uh, be back uh, again one week later to review the draft. My name is Miles and the good night.